Hi there, and welcome to the Live Mock Podcast. We are lucky to have Jessica Gorky, Assistant Athletic Director for Academic Services at UC Santa Barbara, with us today. Jessica, thank you for joining us. I understand you have a ton going on, and for our listeners out there, grades are posting. Uh, so Jessica has a ton on her plate. The fact that she's going to take this time to be with us just shows what kind of a person she is. So Jessica, thank you so much for being with us today. And if you could, please introduce yourself to the group. Yeah, great to, it's really great to be here. Like you said, my name is Jessica Gorky. Um, I'm the Director of Academics at UC Santa Barbara. Uh, I've now been in this role for about nine months. So it's been a really great past year. Like you said, uh, we are having our, our spring grades posting right now. We're a quarter school. So um, this has been my first experience at a quarter school and, and grades post this week. So a little, you know, a little bit of excitement going on, but uh, we came back from a really great weekend of just various graduation ceremonies, and we had a session ceremony, so really excited to be here and happy to talk about my experience in the field. Um, This will be my eighth year in the field. I I started in 2010. I uh, started off as a graduate assistant. I was at the University of Akron, so during the two years there, I was working with, uh, you know, a wide variety of teams had uh, worked with a few football players, men and women's track and field. Uh, Akron actually has a rifle team, so I worked with the rifle team my first year. I think I got some experience working with softball, but uh, really worked with a wide variety of student-athletes when I got started. Um, After I graduated from Akron, I then got hired on at Georgia Tech and spent just over a year there um, working with their football program, was an academic coordinator there, and then shortly after that, I was hired on at the University of Illinois. So right before I came to UC Santa Barbara, I spent four years at the University of Illinois. Um, worked with men's basketball. When I first got there, I worked with the women's track and cross-country program as well. But when I most recently left in September, I was working with men's basketball, women's swimming, and women's gymnastics. So been a little bit all over the map, been on the East Coast, Midwest, uh, Southeast, and now West Coast. Jessica, for our listeners, I'm curious, could you tell us a little bit as to why you would get into this field? Yeah, um, so I initially wanted to be a teacher. I was not a student athlete in college, uh, didn't even know that this field existed, was going to school, and so I went to undergrad at North Central College. It's a Division three school in Naperville. But I was going there to be a teacher, got my teaching certificate, taught some high school history classes, and decided to pursue my master's. So that's how I ended up at the University of Akron. And I ended up in athletics because I saw that they had a graduate assistantship open. Uh, I was really drawn to the opportunity in my my mind, okay, this is a great opportunity. I can go get my master's degree learning how to be uh, a teacher and putting theory to practice. So I can be in the classroom learning these different techniques, and then I can work with student-athletes, tutoring them, or, or what have you in some capacity. But as I spent more and more time as a graduate assistant, I really realized that this was a passion that this was something I really loved. Um, I loved the camaraderie in athletics. Like I said, I wasn't a student athlete, so I had no concept of what the world of athletics was like. But when I got a taste for it, I just ended up changing my degree from special education to higher education and never looked back. So let's talk a little bit about UC Santa Barbara. 
as your program continues to grow there, what specific opportunities do you want to take advantage of? Yeah, um, really want to take advantage of like a wide variety of opportunities. So we have a lot of opportunities that exist within the university system. So, you know, not just to UC Santa Barbara, not just to UCSB, but as part of the UC system. So one of the things that I have actually bookmarked on my computer right now is that uh, there's just, and most campuses have this. So, you know, I encourage any any listener out there uh, who's who's interested um, or a new professional, or even if you've been in the field for 15 years, most campuses are going to have some sort of professional development housed housed on their on their campus. So I've just been really bookmarking any that come my way that I think would be interesting. So you know, I've, for instance, I'll just give an example. They have a workshop called Crucial Conversations, and it's about how to approach conflict management and how to, you know, have conversations with, let's say, coworkers or, in our case, students or possibly coaches, and it just gives tools and techniques. So, you know, looking at opportunities that exist on campus that don't cost anything, you know, one thing right now coming into this role, we don't currently have a learning specialist on staff, So, um, but we do have a college of education. So one of the things that I have on my uh, for my goals for this summer is to make connections with the College of Education, talk to them, talk to their students as, as someone who started off as a graduate assistant at Akron in the College of Education. You know, that was something that came to my mind is, hey, they might there might be master's students over there who want to work with students and who might want to specifically work with student athletes. Is there some sort of partnership that we can work on that would be mutually beneficial? But then also to just opportunities that exist within the M4A organization. So um, we're going to be attending, myself and uh, one of my staff members, we're going to be attending um, M4A this year, um, really pushing that in the future, just some of the opportunities that exist within M4A. So, for instance, Professional Development Institute, PDI, is there any way that anyone on our staff can get involved in that? Um, just regional rules following when regional rules will be coming along, because I think it's really important that uh, as an academics department, we're staying up to date. Even though it's more of a compliance-oriented, there's still rules that apply to our, that apply to APR, that apply to progress towards degree, and how that's interpreted. And then um, one of the things we did when I was at the University of Illinois is we had uh, the NCAA come in and do their DISC assessment. So I thought that was really beneficial. It broke down, um, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, DISC assessment breaks down. It's kind of a personnel. Have you, has, has your staff done DISC assessment, Wes, or are you familiar with it at all? We have done DISC assessment. We've done it uh, for the past two years. We bring in. Uh, campus partner like you were speaking about to have them come in and do it for us. Yeah, so we, we did that at Illinois. I One of our goals at UCSB is to grow the academic staff when we're ready for it, and that is 100% uh, an opportunity I'm going to be vouching for and, and hoping we can get on our campus because I think it's really, really important that as staff members and as, as the staff grows, you understand the differences in communication styles and work styles and how there's no right or wrong way to pursue to do this job. So, and then even just networking too. So, reaching out to peers at other schools, um, the big, other Big West schools, they have regular conference calls and taking advantage of those and reaching out to other schools that are on the quarter system and how they interpret rules. So, I would say that 
those are the things we're focused on right now. Um, a big thing coming up is going to be the NCAA academic performance um, uh, program that they have where, uh, you know, they use the APR from the schools, the single year APR to um, get, I know I'm not explaining this great, so if you need to jump in by all means, but, um, you know, they're going to be looking at new metrics to um, provide schools funding based on APR. So that is something that we're currently spending the last uh, last few months, actually I would say even the last year, looking at how we can position UCSB and put a, a UCSB in a place to to receive some of that funding and to put it back into academic support and how we can continue to provide um, new um, services to our students. So there's, there's a lot. There's a ton of opportunities out there that uh, really don't cost very much or, you know, it's, a, it's an initial investment and we're just really open to anything. So the... Uh, the APR thing in question is uh, going to be something that um, is going to positively impact uh, student-athletes all over the country because they're going to be able to put money back into the university. It's called the Academic-Based Revenue Distribution Plan, uh, and it's a great segue there, Jessica, because we actually are interviewing uh, Carrie Ledger-White, uh, the Assistant Director for the NCAA uh, Membership Division, who's actually going to come on and give us a entire session about that process, what it means to the universities, and how you can actually get that money. Uh, so for those interested, there will be a podcast on that, and it will be something that I encourage you to listen to. So uh, talk to us about the transition from a school like Illinois in the Big Ten to what people might consider a smaller school like UCSB. Yeah, having come from Akron, I kind of knew going into, even into my interview, I kind of knew the differences in possibly the, the level of resources that a school in the Big Ten might have versus a school in the Big West or in the MAC, for instance. So I got my, my start at a smaller school. I always have had, because of that, I think I've always had an affinity for what we consider smaller schools in our in our industry. And I think sometimes they they get a bad rap because uh, I think it's natural to think, oh, well, if they don't have as much funding, how can they provide their student-athletes as many resources? And I just think that's just patently false. I mean, one of, from my experience being at Akron and even being here, one of the things that I am just constantly um, impressed by is is the people and the the level of support that we can provide our student athletes by being very strategic with our resources. So, you know, I'll, I'll give an example. When I first got here, one of the first questions I asked was, oh, well, what do we do to track study hall? Do we use grades first? You know, what do we have? And I was baffled by the fact that we don't have grades first. You know, well, then how could you possibly track study hall? And, well, we use Google Docs, and we use an Excel spreadsheet, and we have the monitors log in, and this is – and they can update it in real time. The coaches have access to their team spreadsheets. And it doesn't cost anything. And it's something that students are already familiar with and coaches are already familiar with because, you know, most people are familiar with um, Google and its resources that it has. So I've been – every day I'm constantly impressed with just the ingenuity that smaller schools have to accomplish the same same goals but with possibly a smaller staff or with possibly a smaller budget. Um, I also think, though, that – Smaller schools can give you, as as an academic advisor, um, I think they can give you opportunities that you may not 
get when you are on a staff of possibly 15 individuals. You know, uh, just reflecting back on my time at Akron, I had the opportunity, oh man, probably to work with five or six different teams and to learn different styles of student-athletes, different coaches of student-athletes, different practice schedules. Um, And and I I think the same applies here. You're just able to wear multiple hats, and I, I think it it makes you a very well-rounded advisor when um, you touch different aspects of the, the organization. Um, one of the things that we do here at UCSB is every Thursday we have what we call Gaucho Cares. Our, our, our mascot is called the Gauchos. So um, we call it Gaucho Cares, and this is something started by our SWA, and it brings in academics, it brings in sports medicine, it brings in compliance, it brings in our um, – uh, athletic trainers, um, and even the registrar's office, our certification, certifying officer, and we meet every Thursday and we talk about the issues that are affecting our students and, and ways that we can improve those. So it's allowed for, rather than having silos within the athletic department of, oh, well, that's the compliance office, and oh, that's, you know, that's uh, athletic training. We're in the room. We're all making very conscientious decisions in the sheer, surely for the benefit of our students. So, um, you know, I, I was really excited to come back to um, a, a school like this. And um, it was really important, though, I think during my transition to just sit back and observe and learn and not to come in and say, well, this is what we did at Illinois or this is what we did at Georgia Tech and this is the right way to do things because I think it's, you can learn just as much from just sitting back and taking things in and observing the way that this current, you know, uh, staff and culture does things. And there's definitely times where I've said, huh, well, have we thought about possibly doing things this way? And you get feedback and we might might incorporate that. We may determine that's not necessarily what's the best fit for UCSB. But um, I've been really lucky because coming in here, uh, the other athletic advisors that I've worked with have been amazing. You know, one of our athletic advisors, I think a lot of people probably know or are familiar with, uh, Jack Revis. He's been very um, uh, interactive with uh, the organization. He's a past president of N4A. He's still very much heavily involved in N4A. So it's been really nice to come here you know, bounce ideas off of him. He's familiar with the, he's obviously one of the first individuals who's, who's been a pivotal role in our organization. So he gets it. Um, the other athletic advisors that I work with have been really easy to work with. Um, I hope you can, I hope you can uh, uh, edit some of this list because I know I'm kind of like stammering at this point, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll trust your process, but I'll yep. just kind of leave it at that. So in your role as the Assistant Athletic Director for Academic Services, what resources do you feel you need at a school like UCSB? Um, I just think it's really important to invest in human human capital, uh, for lack of better words, is just the people. You know, the people make the place. And I think, um, like I was saying before with Gaucho Cares, um, just uh, using using the individuals you do have on staff and sitting down and communicating and, and using technology to help with that. So one of the things 
that our department is in the process of moving towards is there's a program called ARMS, and there's some other schools around the country that currently have it, and there's some other schools in our conference that currently have it. But, it, you know, it's similar to some of these other programs that are out there. Some people have heard of Teamwork. Some people have heard of Jump Forward. So, you know, we're moving towards this program called ARMS, and um, we really think that, I mean, we're, we're really excited about it. We really think that it's going to help with our communication with our student-athletes, our communication with other staff members, and really allow for a level of efficiency that allows our academic staff and, you know, our compliance staff and anybody else in the athletic department to do their job really well um, and, and at a pace that we're still, again, we're, we're not um, cutting any corners, that this is going to allow, allow us to keep pace with some of our bigger institutions within the conference or within the rest of the UC system. So we're really excited about ARMS and, and really what that level of technology is going to be able to provide us. Um, you know, in my perfect world, I would love to add additional staff, but when we're ready for it, and I really want to emphasize when we're ready for it, just because a lot of my conversations that I've had with my SWA, uh, even during the interview process, has been developing a strong foundation. When I came into this role, we had athletic advisors, um, for sure. Uh, we've had those for years but they were housed on campus. And so this has really been the first opportunity that we've had an in-house athletic department academic advising staff, an academic advising program. So it's always been the goal to add additional staff, whether it's a learning specialist or whether it's, it's graduate assistants or whether it's additional academic advisors. We know we want to get there, but it's always been very important to develop a strong foundation. Uh, we're in the process of creating our policies and practices. And I think before we decide, hey, we're going to open three new positions, I think it's really important that we know the direction we're going in so that as we're onboarding new employees and as, as we're onboarding, onboarding new staff members, that we're able to, um, you know, have policies and practices at place. And we have a, a vision, but as you know, Wes, like that, that takes time to, to accomplish, and we want to make sure we do it the right way. So really excited this summer to get our arms on board, to collaborate with the College of Education, to use the resources that currently exist. And then I think the goal for next year is to then be expanding our staff. So, you know, maybe, you'll, well, maybe we'll be able to do another podcast a year from now, and, and I'll be able to talk to you about the changes that we've been able to make. I will put it on the calendar right now. And for the, yeah. for the, the, the listeners, I think it's important to touch upon what Jessica just mentioned. You know, there are some schools out there that have unlimited resources, unlimited budgets, but that doesn't mean that they're investing their time, their energy, their effort back into their staff and into their students. Knowing that Jessica's vision for academic support is that human capital, obviously UCSB is set up for a long time uh, for success and for a great environment for students to be successful. Uh, Jessica, can you, to the best of your ability, describe a day in the life in your role? Yeah. Um, you know, I think to a level extent, we're probably all getting to work, checking our emails, uh, answering any emails that we can. But typically, I'll have campus meetings. Um, one of the unique things about my role that I actually really like is that I do a report. And actually, I believe you are set up similar, so I'll, I'll have you jump in here in a second. But uh, so I report to the athletic department, but I also report to on campus to our letters and sciences, our LNS department. So uh, 
two, three times out of the week, I will have campus meetings with them, with our campus partners, and uh, otherwise, pretty much student meetings. So still, whether that's during advising period and helping them pick out classes or whether that's um, academic mentoring meetings, you know, where you receive grades, talk about how things are going in class, um, just the typical kind of uh, advising meetings that an advisor would do. But then um, afternoon when they're in practice is a really, really great time to, uh, again, get caught up on email, um, invest in the policies and practices. So one of the things I, one of the first things I did when I, I got here was reach out to some colleagues at other schools and ask them to send me, hey, can you send me the policies and practices or some sort of academic manual that you may have? We're in the process of building ours, and I would love to see what other people across the country are, are doing. So afternoons when the students are in practice is a really great downtime to, to keep working on that, to keep building that out, uh, to meet with the academic advisors that I have on staff and make sure everything is go, going okay with them. Um, and then at some point, usually two, sometimes three times, um, I'll come back for night study hall. So I'll come back, depending on the time of year, um, to work with uh, some of our men's basketball and baseball players just to get them on the right track and make sure that they're, they're uh, here for, for night study hall and just to use me as a resource, whether that's, um, you know, to ask me questions or uh, if the coaches have any questions. So, again, I think – you know, coming back at night sometimes can is is when I get the most work done. As I, I'm sure you you know, uh, sometimes you get phone calls or sometimes you get other emergencies that come up. But sometimes nights and weekends are a really great time to just sit down and grind and just to sit down and and write things and to keep working on on policies and procedures and manuals and how can we continue to get better and better every every quarter. So. Um, you know, going back on uh, to what I said earlier, you, are you at FIU? You also do a port, correct? Correct. We, uh, my office reports directly to the vice president for academic affairs, and we have a dotted line back to the athletic program. Is that something? So this has really been my first experience working on a staff that has that dotted line. For you, is is that pretty typical uh, that you've seen that? talking with other individuals across the country or in, in our field? I think what you're going to see is it's going to become more and more prevalent across the country and across the landscape. As the NCAA has shifted away from being and shifted towards being more student-friendly, uh, one of the things that they've taken a lot of attention on is uh, academics in terms of academic misconduct on university campuses, and they're paying a lot more attention to that these days. And there's, you know, kind of a conflict of interest, if you stop and think about it, between, you know, putting the academic support unit under athletics, even though it's been a functioning, thriving uh, process for the past 25 years, but obviously it might be a little bit more at home and on the academic side of the world in terms of the support needed, the conversations that need to be had. And it really does help with that idea of transparency uh, with the NCAA, with the university. So I think you're going to see more and more people go to that model of having a direct report either to athletics or to, you know, the university and a dotted line back to the other. Yeah, as someone who's experienced both models, I've, I've really, I do really value this model. In terms of you know, your program and what you guys are trying to accomplish out there, uh, what specifically do you find the most challenging about your role? 
I think uh, partly it was when I when I first got here was just adjusting to a new school or just a new system. I mean, you could literally work in this field for 20 years, and if you you know, if you get hired in a new institution, you're learning new processes, you're learning new anything from what are general education requirements here versus at the previous schools to just meeting new individuals and developing re- new relationships that sometimes you, you take for granted when you at, at previous schools I've been at, like, oh, man, I, I kind of forgot how many connections and how many relationships I had built at Illinois over the course of four years until you're placed in a new environment and you're forced to learn a new system. So there's always going to be that challenge, and I think that's going to be a challenge. Like I said, that's going to be a challenge for anyone, whether you've been in this field one year or whether you've been in it for 30 years, that's, that's going to be an adjustment for anyone. But in particular, then, too, moving from I've – always, I've always been on semester – schedule to moving to a quarter system. It's a totally new way of advising. It is a new way of interpreting APR. I had, you know, I really wasn't anticipating that APR would be calculated differently for quarter schools until I got here. And then obviously it made a lot of sense. So um, just making those adjustments has has been a challenge. Anytime anytime you're moving, it's hard. You're, you're leaving behind a support structure that you previously had. You're moving to a completely new area where you don't even know how to get to the grocery store, you know, for the first couple weeks. Um, so it can be emotionally draining to, to move. But um, one thing that I've realized is regardless of what part of the country you're moving to or what part of whether you're moving um, 50 miles or 1,500 miles, um, you know, there's, there's always really great energetic individuals within athletics, and, and it reminds me of why I got into this field in the first place, is it's a very tight-knit community, and other people in the athletic department have also moved, and so everyone was super supportive of just even anything from giving me a list of, oh, here are the really good restaurants in Santa Barbara, or, um, you know, here are some really nice places to live that you might take into consideration. So um, what was potentially a very stressful situation turns into a really opportunity to, to bond. And I, I kept very detailed kind of notes or even journaling my first couple months here just so I remember, you know, in the future when we're building a staff, okay, what were the things that I wish I had known when I had first gotten here? You know, are there things I can write down that I can share with our new staff members as we're uh, as we're creating an onboarding process to help them with that transition? Because you you know, it's just in in our field, people come from different schools. It's it's not you're not always going to necessarily hire people who've been at the school before or who were students at the school. So it was a really good experience for me. But um, hey, no change never. It happens without challenge that goes along with it. So um, one of the things, too, that um, happened during my time here is right at the end of fall, um, one thing I was not expecting when I moved from the Midwest to the West Coast was uh, forest fires. So right as we're um, getting into December, Santa Barbara uh, County and Ventura County, which is right next to us, experienced really, really bad fire. And we ended up having to close campus. We had to push finals back until uh, January, which, you know, had a 
trickle effect on um, certification, and it had a trickle effect. Um, not only were we very much focused on getting our student athletes to uh, support um, and services, and trying to provide them safe opportunities to get home, but then also, you know, we still had a couple teams who were in season. Our men and women's basketball program were in season, and so we had to evacuate both of those teams and, and get them to L.A. and away from the fires, um, whereas our other student-athletes were able to go home. And then, as as luck would have it, uh, in January, we um, then had to work with the Big West offices, work with the NCAA on coming up with alternatives uh, for certifying our student-athletes. And they were obviously – they were the NCAA and Big West were both very supportive and very understanding. But as a new director, literally two months into uh, my new role, that was something I I could probably work in this field another 30 years and never experience something like that again. So that was really um, that was really interesting because uh, you know for for most situations in this field we can. We can rely on mentors or rely on other individuals. I could call you up or I could call up, um, you know, some of my mentors at other schools and say, hey, what would you do in this circumstance? But um, there's not a lot of schools that have experienced a natural disaster quite like this where their finals had to be pushed back for six weeks. So that was really interesting. But we got it. We got through. And um, otherwise, it's, it's been a really great, really great school year. So before we go any further, I think it's a great opportunity for us to uh, at least verbally thank all the first responders across the country, whether they were dealing with the wildfires out in California. Obviously, here in the state of Florida, we were impacted by a hurricane in the past year. Uh, so for anyone out there that's a first responder that might be listening to this podcast, thank you so much for everything that you do. But Jessica, just for me from N4A, uh, from everything that you guys were able to accomplish you know, out there in the state, uh, dealing with the wildfires, having to move things around, and being so accommodating uh, to ensure that the students had a great experience, even though there was a lot of adversity surrounding it. Thank you so much for you and your staff and everything that you guys have done. Um, but in following up with that, what would you find the most rewarding part about your first couple of you know, months on the job? Well, I mean, I, I think that goes back to just the challenges. I mean, I think uh, there's certainly reward in being challenged and um oh man i have this very fond memory back when i was in uh, at north central college in undergrad and we we were in our teacher preparation courses and i had a professor who used this she used this anecdote of um to us that of lobsters shedding their their shell so um and I don't know, I, I, I've never really looked this up, so I don't know if this is entirely accurate, but what we were told is that the lobsters, because of the way that they grow, they have this uh, obviously hard, uh, hard outer shell, and in order to grow, they need to cast off their shell. But obviously the problem with that is once you've gotten rid of this shell, this hard exterior, you're extremely vulnerable. But if you don't make yourself in, or if you don't put yourself in a place where you're vulnerable, you also won't grow. So reflecting back on the last year, I think that was exactly how I felt. Um, you know, when I had this opportunity, it's scary. It's 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 scary to move across the country. It's it's uh, anytime you're you're taking on a new job, it's a mixture of anxiety and uh, well, what if I'm not cut out for this and you know, just self-doubt and you realize, okay, well, I can't get 
better at what I do unless I put myself in situations that I can grow in. So um, I, I would say the most rewarding thing is also the most challenging thing. It's it's just learning and it's it's putting yourself in a position where you might fail and you have to be okay with failing as long as you're learning from it. That's a great point, Jessica, to fail forward. To, you know, even though that there are going to be you know, issues out there that we can't always foresee, and there, there's going to be situations that occur that you can't, you can't, no matter how hard you plan, you can't stop. We're all going to fail, you know, in terms of failing forward, however. It's just making sure that we learn something from the experience that we continue to find what we're passionate about and continue to work forward. If I were to ask you just for one thing, what is the best memory, though, that you've had your time so far at UCSD? That would just that'd be graduation. I mean, I I just I love graduation. Maybe because it's fresh in my mind. It was just this weekend, but graduation is just such a great time to reflect on. We have really challenging jobs and we have really difficult jobs. And like you said, recentering yourself to your to your purpose, to your passion. And I think graduation is a really good time for that. There's always you're always going to run into you know, students and, and their parents, and, and they're just so happy, and it really reinvigorates you for why we do this every day and why we wake up, uh, why we come back at night, why we come back on the weekends. And it's also a good opportunity sometimes to see students um, who maybe have left the institution but then came back 20 or 30 years later to finish their degree when they had the opportunity. So graduation is great. I can't speak more highly of, of, of that every school I've been at. So recently, and I had a podcast with a guy named Jonathan Gant. If you guys haven't heard it, I recommend that you take time to listen to it. Jonathan runs the creative media unit at Clemson University. And in my conversation with him, he threw out a great quote uh, from Coach Davos when he basically saying, you need to bloom where you were planted. Jessica, can you speak to the idea of focusing on the job that you currently have and by doing so, how opportunities could come to you? Yeah, so I'm so glad you brought this up. Um, I listened to that podcast and – there was uh, that, that moment when he was talking about that. I just, I could not agree more. And, um, you know, uh, I think he hit the nail on the head and, and I love that. So I, just to kind of, I guess, to elaborate on that and what I took away from that is, is um, from my experience, um, you know, when I was at the University of Illinois, in my mind, I'm, my thought, I thought the next stop for me would be, oh, I'll be an assistant director somewhere. That's the next step for me. So when this opportunity presented itself, I was thinking like, well, that that doesn't fit in with my plan. Like that's that's not the you know that's what I, it's not what I had in mind for myself. And I just think it's really important. Like goals are great. Like goals are awesome. That's how we know the direction we're going in. And I talked earlier in the podcast about the goals I have for this department. But I just really want if there's any advice I can give to new professionals. It's just like focus on the now, like the the goal, absolutely. I'm not telling you to not set goals, but I think sometimes we can be so focused on the goal that we're not focusing on the what we're learning in this moment and how enjoyable this moment is. And I, I think sometimes that can backfire too because uh, so if if things don't fit up perfectly with your plan, I mean, are you gonna are you gonna think badly about yourself? Are you gonna consider yourself a failure because things didn't work out exactly how you had them had planned for yourself? So, um, one of the big things that takeaways I had from his podcast was just, you know, don't necessarily focus on finding the opportunities. 
if you just focus on doing your job really well, doing a good job for your student-athletes, um, doing a good job for your university, doing a good job for yourself, just representing yourself in the best way possible, I think those op- those opportunities are going to find you. You don't need to, you know, um, you don't need to focus so much on finding the next opportunity. It, it, it will find you. I think, um, you know, maybe you can jump in, but this is a really small world and, and people um, communicate with each other and they talk about uh, coaches go to different schools and they might talk to each other about experiences they had at other schools and your name may pop up in those conversations. And that's, that's how I've gotten um, some of the positions that I I've had is just from word of mouth of, well, you need, you need a basketball academic advisor. Well, I worked with this person at this school and she did a really great job and um, you know, let the, they kind of end up networking for you. So if I had to, to give the professionals any advice, just, Enjoy the present. Just really enjoy the present because this, this field is amazing. This, this career field is so rewarding, and you don't want to spend so much time focusing on where you're going that you don't appreciate where you've been. To follow up on Jess's point there, I mean, for so much of our career, we're literally trading on someone else's name. And what I mean by that is if, uh, if somebody's going to apply for a position at FIU, I'm going to look at the, the contacts that I have around that person and reach out and just try to get a better feel for who they are, not only as a person, but, you know, their work ethic, their, you know, their belief system, how they're structured, and so much of what we do and so much of the hiring process, like any hiring process, is the references and the information that you can get. So I agree with you, Jessica, 100%. Uh, in our podcast, we, we are doing this entire process to provide a resource to those of our membership, those looking to get into this uh, as a career field, or those on the outside looking in just kind of see what it is that we do. Um, but I want to always give back a little bit more. So, Jessica, from your standpoint, is there a book that you would recommend to the podcast audience? Um, I always – I really like uh, anything by Simon Sinek or um, – and I might be pronouncing that wrong – or Malcolm Gladwell. There was a book – Oh, at the Region 3 meeting, not this past October, but the October before that, so what would that have been, October 2016, um, I, I, Penn State was hosting the Region 3, and, and they had a book there by Simon Sinek uh, called Start With Why. And I, after reading that book, I really got into to him. He, he talks about a lot about leadership and why certain leadership leadership styles work and why others might not. So I really like anything by him, and then I've always loved everything by uh, everything Malcolm Gladwell has written. He's most known for Outliers. If you've ever heard of that, it came out um, quite a few years ago, but um, a lot of people have heard of that book. But in particular, he wrote a book called David and Goliath, and I, I, I would recommend, if there was a book that I had to recommend, I'd probably recommend that one. It was um, I found it interesting because it, it – he talks about these examples of individuals who had, um, you know, what we would consider, what would we, what we would perceive as disadvantages and how those, you know, quote unquote disadvantages turned out to be the reason for their success. So I really like that book. Um, I'm drawn to those two authors in particular because I've found that their examples that they've used and, and, and um, the information they provide is, is, yes, it's anecdotal. It gives examples and it gives, guidelines, but it's really rooted in social science. I think there's a lot of leadership books out there that are purely like, oh, well, you know, do X, Y, and Z, and you'll be a great leader. And um, they're, they're not necessarily rooted, rooted in any sort of research or, or science. They're really, truly just 
anecdotal. And I, I particularly like both of these authors because they uh, they back up some of their claims with, hey, psychologists studied these group of individuals and found that this is why this happens. So um, if you're at the pool this summer and you want to read something, I would recommend uh, David and Goliath. Those are great recommendations. And for those listening on this podcast, I'll actually link those books onto uh, my blog at www.libmoss.blog so you can easily find them and you'd be one click away from bringing them home. We try and end a fun question just to try and keep this light, uh, Jessica. So for those who have never witnessed the sheer beauty of a university like UCSD, I urge you to take the time and go and visit. Jessica, with paradise literally being in your backyard, what do you enjoy most about living and working in the UCSD area? Um, I think probably the ocean. As as a Midwest girl, um, I didn't I didn't have exposure to the ocean the way I do now, and just sometimes on the weekends or or in the afternoons, I'll just go take a walk. Our our campus is literally on the ocean. We have a lagoon on our campus, and you can walk along the cliff sides and see students. Um, students on uh, uh, surfing, and and you might catch like a whale or some dolphins, and I'm just I'm constantly mesmerized by just the how uh, beautiful the ocean and and the surf is here at UCSB. You need to, as soon as possible, create <laughs> some kind of conference and host yeah. it at UCSB <laughs> to give us all an excuse to come out there and check it out. I know, and I'm hoping. Um, I'm hoping maybe if we did that, maybe Jack Revis can give can give people surf lessons because I'm just so afraid to even attempt to get on a surfboard. But uh, maybe we can maybe we can get some surf lessons going if if we have our conference here. We look forward to that, Jessica. And I'd I'd like to thank the listeners for tuning in today. But just as importantly, I'd like to thank Jessica for taking the time out of her busy schedule to be with us. Uh, you can find more information out about Jessica and UCSB Gauchos, as well as links to purchase their gear and the books at www.libmoss.blog. From a personal note, I hear all the time, or I get questions all the time on how do I grow in this field. If you've listened to this podcast, you've been given a wealth of knowledge. You know, even the analogy of the lobster shedding its you know, shell. There's so many things and opportunities that are available to our membership to grow and to take chances. You know, and especially if you're not afraid to fail, to put yourself in situations to grow as a young individual. But anyone looking to grow, to become a leader in our field, you need to connect with Jessica. Look at her track record. Look what she's been able to do in such a short period of time to start as a GA, work her way up as an academic coordinator, and earn the opportunity to be an assistant athletic director. You know, this is the kind of work ethic, the kind of grit, the kind of commitment that not many people have. So. If you're a young professional, whatever field you're looking to get into, it doesn't have to be academic services, student development, compliance, whatever it is. If you want a track record, if you want the perfect map, the the waves of trying to get from A to B, Jessica is the one you need to touch base with. So thank you so much for being with us today. You can follow uh, me on Twitter and on Instagram at Westy Moss for more information. Thank you, as always, for listening, and live Moss. Thank you.